This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select... Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline. Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Brought down, Khalil Mack. Welcome to the Chicago Shuffle Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Lee, here today with my good friend, Ricky O'Donnell from SB Nation. What's up, Ricky? What's going on, Zach? This podcast is being brought to you today by our sponsors, Untuck It and Manscaped, which we really, really appreciate. It's kind of like what pays the bills and keeps these wonderful thoughts and happy feelings rolling. Ricky, uh, the Bears won a football game. How about it? The Bears' first win since September 29th. That was the last day of baseball's regular season. Shout out to John Greenberg. I saw him tweet that a few days ago. The White Sox won that day, beat the Tigers 5-3. to three. That was the last time the Bears <laughs> won a game, man. Before that, it's been a month straight of losses uh, with the bye week in there too, I believe. So it was good to see the Bears get a win. Good to beat the Lions. I saw another stat on Twitter uh, that the Bears, that Matt Nagy is now 7-2 and two against the NFC North and 3-0 and oh against both the Lions and the mm. Vikings. That came from Adam Hogue. Uh, so, you know, to me, this wasn't exactly a feel-good win. I think in a lot of ways you could argue it is a feel-bad win because the Bears certainly didn't look that impressive throughout the game in terms of moving the ball. The defense, you know, they did their job, but you're going up against Jeff Driscoll. I don't think that they were, you know, as powerful as we've seen them be earlier this season and last year. But at the end of the day, you win a division game at home. Uh, I don't want to do another woe-is-me podcast because, you know, it had been a while since we've seen the Bears win a football game and they got the job done today i had a buddy tell me you know he's like how did you feel about it i was like moral loss yeah uh, uh I, and he's like dude you won a football game i was like i will try to enjoy this i really will so in it's in the spirit of that that we'll try to talk about a few positive things first and yes the bears did win i, I don't appreciate your white sock shout out on this podcast i didn't like approve any of that this is a a Cubs leaning easy there, right white, field white, sucks. White, white, white Sox accepting podcast. And I won't have it any other way. Nevertheless, uh, yeah, the, the Bears finally won a game of American football, and it took every single possible thing going their way, both before, during, and after the game, in order for it to happen. Or at least that's what it felt like to me. You know, it's funny. I'm looking at Mitch's stats right now. Uh, Mitch was, you know, 16 for 23 for a buck 73. That's a 7.5 average. Three touchdowns, no picks, a 64.7 QBR, and a 131 QB rating. <clears throat> Every rating in the world sucks and is terrible because that's not what I saw on the field. Yeah, I was actually going to go a different way with this, actually. And I feel like I'm typically the negative Chicago sports fan. I wrote something on Monday for SBNation.com titled, Chicago Sports is Trash Right Now, where I just flame <laughs> the Bears, the Bulls, basically the entire city, besides for the sky. 
Go it's a great article and I'm everybody should read it. Uh, but I was going to go the other way on this, despite how I'm normally programmed to talk about this stuff. I thought it was probably Trubisky's best game of the year. I don't think that he was, oh, like, sure. overwhelmingly impressive. I don't think that, you know, it has changed my opinion of his long-term outlook at all. But, you know, if you look at his numbers, like, the Saints game, I guess, looks impressive. He threw for 251 with two touchdowns. Those were two garbage-time touchdowns. The Bears yeah, were down, no. like, 36-10 to 10 in that game. They were getting crushed. 100%. So that certainly isn't it. The Chargers game was just a comedy of errors, even though Trubisky did play okay in the closing drives of that game. Uh, and then you have the Washington football team game, where he was pretty good in that. He made, you know, some of his better throws of the season in that game, I thought. But in general, while, uh, you know, it was definitely a conservative game plan, uh, I do think Trubisky played, you know, pretty well. You throw three touchdowns, no picks, complete 70% of your passes. I think that you know, I don't know if it's really a step forward per se, but at least it's going to do something for Mitch mentally, I hope. Like coming into this week, the big storyline was Mitch wanting to turn off all the TVs in Hallis Hall. Well, they're not going to be talking shit about you this week, Mitch, because you actually played a decent game. Uh, we can talk about, you know, the three, basically it was like a five minute chunk of football, if that, that won the Bears this game at the end of the first half and beginning the second half. But Mitch made two nice, you know, corner route touchdown passes on those. Uh, that I thought were, you know, basically dimes leaving his hand. They were. They were I, some I, of his best throws of his career. I thought he played okay. I would describe this, I, I call this phenomenon Juan Pierre good. It's like even when Juan <laughs> Pierre was playing well for Juan Pierre, he still wasn't actually a good player because yeah. he was a corner outfielder who wasn't providing a lot of defensive value and couldn't hit for pop. But sometimes he would slap hit 290 and then steal 50 bases. So he was good for Juan Pierre. I feel like this was that type of game for Trubisky where if you lower your expectations to the ground, which is where I have them with this kid, uh, I thought that, you know, he, he played a good game for him. No, you're absolutely right. I, I think I probably erred in talking about it so negatively. I mean, I still don't think that his play nor the Bears play can represent a 131 quarterback rating. But to your points, uh, I can't disagree with any of them. Some of the best throws of the season and, nay, his career happened today. Um, both of the touchdown, the touchdown pass to Broniker at the end of the first half and then the one to Gabriel coming off a wonderful play call and design by Nagy. And I say that because I'm going to shred him later. So let me kind of give him a little bit of shine right now. I, I think Trubisky, you know, for all the things that have been said about him and all the, the horrible play, you have to give him a little bit of credit because it just feels like, you know, I think it was the opening the opening play. He threw a high ball to Gabriel in the flat where Gabriel would have needed to catch it perfectly on the run, turn the corner to get the first down. And, you know, he threw a bad ball. You can't argue that it was a bad ball, yeah. but, you know, booed off the field. And so... I guess the thing that, that's harder for me is I'm looking at the the drives, you know, just the the drive chart. Here's how it goes for the Bears. Three yards, or three plays, seven yards, punt. Six plays, 12 yards, punt. Three plays, negative three yards, punt. Then it happens. They thaw out the unfrozen caveman offense. Ten plays, 76 yards, touchdown. Halftime, come right back out. Five plays, 54 yards, touchdown. Coming right back out off the uh, Kwiatkowski uh, interception. We'll talk about him in a minute. What a game from him. And three plays, 25 yards, touchdown. The rest of the game, three three plays, eight yards, punt. Seven plays, 22, punt. Three for seven, punt. Three for one, punt. Three for eight, punt. So you look at the at Trubisky statistics individually and you go, you know what? 
that was actually pretty good. And a lot of the throws he made were throws he, he wasn't able to make all year. The Bears' offense is trash. You want to hear an incredible thing, Ricky? Let's hear it. There are five teams in the NFL worse at rushing the ball by DVOA. Can you believe that? It's hard to believe. I, I, I'm looking you know, right now at the statistics. It's 24 for 81 for a 3-4 average. They certainly committed to it. The thing that I – the context that can't be denied is that the Detroit Lions are the worst or second worst team at defending the run in football. And the Bears churned out 24 for 81 and a 3-4 average. And along of nine yards. Montgomery had a nine-yard run. So, you know – They've changed the offensive line. They they switched back Whitehair and Daniels to get the pass protection calls right. Ricky, I'm losing my faith in Nagy and his coaching staff's ability to understand how to run the football given the framework of their offense. Yeah, I don't know if it's like a personnel issue, if it's a coaching issue. You know, they've been doing like the zone block inside running, I think, uh, for the last two years after they hired Notre Dame's offensive line coach. They just haven't been that successful with it. Before, I felt like it was more of a zone outside run in the few years before that. I think that that was maybe a you know better fit for their personnel they had at that time or just for the offensive line because you know we've seen all year they've been consistently unable to run the football. Uh, you just look at the total yards in this game, and Detroit, by you know every metric, is one of the worst defensive teams in the league. The Bears getting, what, 230 yards in a win, so that's pathetic. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the offense still is is trash, and for the start of this game, we saw an offense that was very reminiscent to the start of last week when, until the final drive, the Bears had negative one yard in the half. This time, they finally started to move the ball again at the end of the first half, but they took it all the way to the end zone. Great throw by Trubisky, I thought. Uh, to hit the backup tight end for the corner touchdown. Truly, truly so, great throw. you know, at least they were able to salvage it because the start of this game, I'm like, oh, my God, the Bears are really going to lose to Jeff Driscoll. Can we relegate them to the SEC East? Like, this is <laughs> this is a pathetic <laughs> loss if they really lose to this guy. That uh, Driscoll rollout bomb, you know, touchdown was just the most – we'll transition to the Bears' defense in a little bit. I, I – this was the most unlosable game I've seen in recent NFL history, given the circumstances the Bears had and like where they were with the lead at a given point in the game. There was a moment where, you know, the the Bears scored their third touchdown, and coming right back down, the Bears defense gets a sack. It's one of their two of the day, and I go, okay, they're they're pinning their ears back now. The like the field is tilted. This is kind of it. This is like this is a W. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears roll up a few more points, and this thing's kind of not a laugher, but um, they can just kind of salt it away. And just right away, like the the defense, the defense isn't really all that good either now. And I think there's been enough weeks here. You know, here's here's a thought exercise for you. What can the what do the Bears do getting off the bus? And like I know that we don't have an identity on offense necessarily, but. Just like for you personally, Ricky, when you think about this Bears team this year, what do they do getting off the bus? What are you comfortable saying? No, I totally agree with you because I would have a very hard time answering that question. I think at the start of the year, we would have said it was pressuring the quarterback, which is, you know, one of the most effective things you can do in football because the Bears did have a great pass rush for the first, you know, until they went on that London trip basically to play the Raiders. From that point on, the pass rush has not been impressive at all. I know you want to talk about Khalil Mack a little bit. He's been a major disappointment. 
both Knicks played well. We got White Nick and Black Nick, as Khalil Mack said earlier this year. <laughs> I thought both those guys were balling. Nick Williams is awesome. He got his sixth sack of the year. He's Leaves tremendous. Every time Kwiatkowski gets an opportunity, he seems like he's making a play, right? Like, I don't know if he needs a bigger role. Maybe this is sort of like the backup QB syndrome. But I'm telling you, dude, he flashes every time he's on the field uh, in a big role. So, you know, to answer your question, I don't know what they do well. Uh, quite frankly, I guess they are sort of like a bend don't break defense. Like they don't allow a ton of touchdowns. Typically, uh, they're still top ten in the league in defensive efficiency. But man, you know the pass rush has dissipated, and that makes that question very difficult to answer. The thing I'd, I'd said over and over again to multiple people, both on this podcast and just in my in my real life, was that the Bears defense plus playing at Soldier Field equals death for the opposing team. You're just going to have Guys coming at you all day long. You're going to be pressured the whole game. The field will be tilted. And there have been an, enough snaps at Soldier Field this year to, to say that's not happening. You know what I saw today? I saw the Bears' uh, defense prior to acquiring Khalil Mack, where you know there just wasn't enough of a pass rush, and the, def- the secondary was just soft enough that you could just kind of pass the ball down the field. Now, they'd stop the run, but if you were Aaron Rodgers, you just – you know, methodically pass the ball down the field and, you know, pat the ball in the pocket a couple times and just move on. And and somehow with Khalil Mack still on the field, that's kind of what's happening to the Bears defense now. Is Hakeem Hicks that important to the overall scheme? Is a drop off that much with him not being on the field? That may actually be the case given what we're seeing out there, but it seems rather unbelievable given that we we thought, I thought, that the defensive line group was one of the deepest position groups on the team. Like, in a weird way, Hicks is almost the biggest winner of the entire season because know, since he's he gone down, already. you got to say that, like, you know, his value just looks tremendous to the team. Now, this is one thing that sort of pisses me off about the Bears. Like, yeah, Hicks is—he was probably the second-best player on the team last year, and that certainly is a major injury. But there's a lot of other teams that got more injuries than the Bears, man. You look up and down the lineup and, like— you know, for the most part, they're still intact. Obviously, Trubisky's playing hurt after the shoulder injury. There's a few other guys nicked up, of course. Uh, but they should be more impressive than this. Like, losing one guy cannot be the downfall of the entire season. That's not a worthwhile excuse, not in the NFL, even after they remained, you know, very, very healthy a season ago. Uh, it, it, it really is disappointing, but... The defensive line depth, I thought, did start to show out a little bit today with Nick Williams. Robertson Harris hasn't had as much of an impact this season, I think, as we were hoping. Uh, And, you know, that's just sort of where the Bears' defense is right now. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, you know, it's it's, I'm not so much, you know, disappointed or upset about it as much as I'm just surprised. I thought there would be... Uh, a little bit more going on there. Again, Eddie Jackson, he's he was close to a few balls today, but you know that game breaking, uh, you know, field shifting, game shifting play just hasn't been there for him this year, and uh, I just haven't been able to understand either via the scheme or by the way he's being played by the opponent why he hasn't been able to get his hands on on a ball or two. You ever see an untucked button down? They look bad. They look like someone forgot to do something. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. No matter your size or your shape, untuck it shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. I hate buying shirts, especially online, because God knows there's not a mall out there anymore. And if there was, who would want to go to it to buy shirts? Not me. So you look online, you say, oh, wow, 
that might look good. And then you put it on and one sleeve is longer than the other and it ends at your belly button. Uh, it's really not how you want to do it. And that's the thing about Untuck It. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untuck It style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. You can choose from styles like wrinkle-free button downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. It's incumbent upon us to talk about the two, the three touchdown drives and what was working well, given that we've seen so little positive football this year. So all of a sudden, uh, Mitch is in a groove. And I've, I think we've seen this before where after enough games and enough reps, like regular season reps, he will find his, his um, I don't know, find his legs, his sea legs, so to speak, because that's what happened last year up until he got his shoulder injury. He was actually playing quite well there at the end, and then he was out two weeks and then had two to three stinkers in a row before he was able to kind of come out again. And then again this year, I would I would say he hadn't played well at any point, but just prior to being injured and hurting his left shoulder, um, I thought that he was starting to see the field a little better. There was a little more rhythm to it. And now after, I think it's three three games back in the fold, four? Yeah. Uh, you see that he... He looked comfortable back there, and certainly even in the early drives that you know were three and outs, there were more than one that you know. Uh, I think it was Taylor Gabriel dropped a dime that would have moved the sticks. The, it really wasn't his fault. There was a sack he took where he sat in, in the pocket too long, but overall, given his normal standard of play, I thought he actually played pretty well. And so, you know, okay, we get to the two minute drill at the end of the first half, and there's passes down the field to Allen Robinson. Finally, he's involved. Allen Robinson finishes with six for 86. Uh, really, it had been a, a minute since we'd seen him out there. Really nice play call to get Tariq Cohen open in the flat to, to move down for his for his touchdown. It's been a while since we, we've seen him be involved. And then a total dime to Ben Broniker. It's interesting that Ben Broniker is out there in the first place because that should be Adam Shaheen out there. Adam Shaheen deactivated coach's decision, which kind of signals that the Bears are finally the last to acknowledge that he might be a bust. Yeah, I saw someone tweet today that he went before Alvin Kamara. That's just a tough, tough situation for the Bears. I Man, that's a bullshit. You can't pull that. It's, Alvin Kamara is a third-round pick. Nobody knew. Nobody okay. knew. Well, I wasn't, you know, I couldn't remember, like, where, you know, where he was, where they were drafted in relation to each other. Uh, but, you know, Shaheen looks like a bust anyway. Like, there were good players available. Yeah. Obviously, there's, it's very hard to hit on, you know, a second, third-round pick in the NFL, but... Uh, the Bears did not hit on Adam Shaheen, that's for sure. My point on Trubisky that I wanted to make uh, in when they actually started scoring points at the end of the first half with the second half, I feel like it's when they play with some tempo. When like they almost come out and, in a way, getting into the plays quicker makes Mitch think less. I think we saw this at the end of the Washington game, too, when totally Mitch was agree. really good in the two-minute drill. Uh, I think that, like, that's something that Nagy should focus on more in the coming weeks is, like, do a little bit no huddle, do a little bit more up-tempo because when Trubisky can get in that rhythm and it seems like things are simplified for him, uh, he can actually make some decent throws. I also like the play calling on those touchdown passes. Anyone who used to play Madden, and I haven't played in Madden in 10 years, but I used to play it a lot when I was a kid, 
you know that the corner route is a great route. So I actually love to see that play call from Nagy. They scored two touchdowns on, you know, back corner end zone routes. Trubisky put the ball on the money for both of them. Uh, there's not a lot Trubisky does well, but, you know, we know he's he's a little better when he rolls out of the pocket, and it sure seems like he's better in an up-tempo offense. So those are things that I would like to see Nagy focus on putting into the overall offensive package in the coming weeks. So I, let's, let's move the conversation to Nagy, and uh, the conversation I'm interested in is what are the constituent parts of what a head coach does? And so I was thinking about this a little bit earlier, and I didn't tell you about this. You're a little on the spot, so I don't feel like – I have to know these things, but okay. So a head coach needs to a be a public facing, you know, presence for the franchise, the press conferences, the media, even the fans, like the way in which they engage with them. It's important, but not critical. And all you have to do is look at Bill Belichick to know that. Okay. So there's that. Then it's about uh, the locker room, keeping the locker room together, making sure everybody does their job, that things stay positive, And when it's going bad, that the team doesn't fall apart. Right. So there's that. Then there's, the overall way that they scheme, the scheme that they're running, how flexible it is, what it is, how smart of a mind they are, whatever it is they're going to be doing, and by proxy, the people that they hire to do those jobs. And then the last part of it is the in-game management, right? I think Negi's in-game management is so bad that it's taking away from all these other pieces of things that he does so well. And it, it's taken me a while to come to that conclusion, but today is the day that the jury kind of came in for me where it's like, he, I mean, on the Bears' second touchdown drive, second, third, second, the one with the corner route to Gabriel, just prior to that, it was a third and one. He had two third and ones today where the play call was just Trubisky dropping back. There was no play action. There was no threat of a run. It was just third and one, and one went to the flat, and it didn't work out. The other one was a deep throw to Allen Robinson, and the Bears got bailed out by a 50-50 pass interference call. And so... You know, I know that he uh, – what was the other one? The double reverse, triple reverse? You hated that, that play. You texted oh me my about God. that. Right oh, my way. God. It's like Trubisky was blocking Trey Flowers. I just um, – yeah, I, I think I texted you exactly this, which is Nagy reminds me of an, an iteration in my gambling Vegas career where when things were going bad, if I just had like a little moment of success, just a little stack of chips, I was like, yo, I bet this right now, doubling my money, boop, and then I'm broke again. And that's the kind of play caller he feels like to me. Yeah, certainly I think Nagy's been disappointing the entire season. Uh, it just seems like he it seems like he's one coaching Trubisky so tentatively because he doesn't trust his ability to make plays. And then two, it's like uh, he's overthinking everything is the other, you know, sense I've gotten watching this whole season. Uh, Nagy has has not been good. I, I didn't think the play calling today was very strong. Obviously, look at all the three and outs on that drive chart. They were not moving the ball whatsoever today, besides for that, you know, whatever, five or ten minute chunk when uh, they were scoring points in the middle of the game. But uh, I agree with everything you're saying about Nagy. I think that his inability to call the right plays at the right time this year. Now, last year, he did have like some of that hot hand theory maybe going on where he was yeah. running a lot of trick plays. A lot of them were working, and I think he was feeling himself a little bit. They haven't hit on like any trick plays all year. Every time they try to do something gimmicky, it ends up being a disaster. Implosive, uh, fo- implosive plays, baby. Implosive football. It's amazing. This is another issue with not having a run game to fall back on because right. you know right. this is an easy problem to solve. Third and one, what do you do? I formation, line it up, straight ahead, pick it up. 
but they're not getting enough push on the offensive line, Montgomery or anyone else on this team, and they're they're short Mike Davis. That was actually a great move by the Bears, cutting Mike Davis uh, to pick up a fourth-round compensation pick. Yeah, no Uh, kidding. But, you know, they just don't have that push on the offensive line. That would make all of these decisions so much easier. Maybe he should still just do it. uh, But, you know, we've seen how ineffective the running game's been all year, so it's tough. I agree with everything you're saying, and, like, you're absolutely right. Like, when a run game doesn't work, everything on the menu tastes bad. And when the run game is working, every play is going to get you something you like. Everything's going to have a good look to it. So that's an aspect of things. The thing that's hard for me in the dichotomy, I, I guess I'm not verbalizing that well, is that when it comes to designing a game plan, when it comes to designing plays that are winning plays, Nagy's really good. Like, he has things on that sheet that scheme guys open left, right, and center. It's where they're called and how they're called. So, you know, by the way, this is totally just, (laughs) like, a baseless thing. But as he was holding his play sheet to his face today, there were tons of blank spots. Does Trubisky have, like, nine plays at this point? It used to be just racks of sentences and all this different stuff. There was, like, (laughs) maybe he's holding the backside of the thing, but I saw, like, ten plays. Anyways, point is that... Like that corner route that schemed open Gabriel for the touchdown, that was a beautiful play call, and that was or a, a beautiful play design, all based on the scouting beforehand. The other thing you'll notice is the Bears didn't run one screen in the entire game, and that's because Patricia loves to have two or three on the on the defensive line and drop eight. There's just no need to try to do a, a screen game when you're not going to have an aggressive, uh, over-pursuing defense. So a lot of those decisions that are being made in that self-scouting works great. But then he comes into the game and just kind of loses the forest for the trees. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I saw someone tweet this, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Bears' four wins this year have come against Driscoll, Casey oh, Keenum, Flacco, and Cousins. And their losses are to Carson Wentz, Rivers, Teddy Bridgewater, Derek Carr, and Rodgers. So basically, this team, even when they win, is not winning impressively. Uh, it's been a you know, a theme throughout the entire year, really dating back to their first win in week two against the Broncos, a game they absolutely should have lost. Uh, it's almost remarkable that they're, you look at the standings and they're four and five right now. Like this season feels like a three and 13 season, doesn't it? it but Oh, it so does. Instead, if they win next week, they're 500. Uh, it's not going to happen. I don't think, you know, this wasn't the type of win that uh, I think is going to like fuel the team on a run to close out the year. But uh, you know, they're still four and five. It's kind of wild to think about that. It is. I, I think you know. For me, I look at it, and I'll probably get you know yelled at for continually sco- continuously skewing things in a negative light. I'm not trying to, but okay. So the Bears exit the Vikings game, a really impressive win at home at three and one. Right? We're all feeling good. We did the pod. Wow, this is going great. And that guy and Roy Robertson Harris, and these are the next one up, and just a lot of good feelings. So they play the Raiders in London, and the Raiders were missing. It's been a it's been a minute, so I have to remember. But like, they're missing their starting tight end. They're missing their top two wide receivers. I think that's, I think that's what it was. Uh, there was just there were really critical guys that weren't on the field. Didn't matter. Didn't affect the game at all. The Bears get whipped in the trenches. Then they get the Saints at home. They're missing their starting quarterback. They're missing their star running back. They're missing their tight end. The Bears lose that one too, and and decidedly, I don't care about those garbage time touchdowns. Then the Chargers come or. Chargers come to town, or do we play them? Yeah, Chargers in Chicago, right? I can't even remember anymore. Uh, yeah, that was in Chicago, I believe. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Chargers come, and their injury report is 17 deep. It's just this absurd thing. They are missing both their starting defensive tackles. 
it's just uh it's it's incredible that those opportunities have gone by the wayside and you look at the, you know, again the rest of the schedule and the NFL is so strange today was one of the stranger NFL days we've had in a while it's hard to know exactly what's what the Rams just lost the Rams to the Steelers lost, yeah. They, yeah they lost to the Steelers and didn't look good at all and I'm really upset because I have Cooper Cup in fantasy and he had exactly zero catches um so a weird day you don't know if that's the kind of thing that you know going home they'll face the Bears next week and correct a bunch of mistakes but yeah like what did seem like an absolutely nails schedule has actually broken really positively for the Bears, especially given the, the injuries they faced. To face Jeff Driscoll today, I mean, I think we can all be pretty honest with ourselves. If Matthew Stafford plays today, that's probably an L, right? I totally agree. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, you know, again, somehow four and five, somehow. And I think the, the reason why it feels like somehow or that it should be a three and 13 kind of season is because of the opportunities that have been laid before this team and just an inability to capitalize on them. Yeah, so let's spin it forward a little bit because uh, I just had the standings up and now they disappeared. I believe the Rams are, mm. what, four and five on the season now? Uh, or are they five and four? Anyways, they got the Rams next week at Los Angeles. Uh, last year, you know, that would have been the matchup that everyone wanted to see. This year, the Rams are struggling just like the Bears. After that, they're home against the Giants. The Giants only have two wins all season, and then they're at Detroit. So here's my question, Zach. Oh my We've God, been negative oh this entire time. <laughs> I described this as a feel-bad win while I was watching it with my friends today. I was at a party in the suburbs watching it. Uh, it didn't feel good, even though I've been trying to be positive about it on this podcast. They are 4-5, and five, the Bears are. Rams at home against the Giants on the road against Detroit. Where is your confidence level that they can like maybe go three and zero on this stretch? Like, what if you had to put it on a scale of zero percent to one hundred percent? You know, do you have like fifteen percent confidence in them? Like, yeah, uh, is there yeah, any chance yeah. they can pull this off? No, I was gonna say like seventeen percent. That was kind of where <laughs> my number was coming in. Look, I mean, the Rams are struggling right now, and the reasons why are that they're. I think they've. Um, they're on their fourth different starting offensive line group of the year. They lost their center today mid-game and were unable to make the adjustment. And we all know that Jared Goff, if he's got pressure around him, kind of falls apart. So I would say that breaks really well for the Bears. But if they can't pressure the quarterback in the way that they haven't been able to pressure the quarterback for the last few weeks, then it really doesn't matter. And my God, if Jared Goff has time in that offense with that skill, we're screwed. Dude. So I, I don't know. I, I would love to say... You know, the Bears and their defensive line and their, you know, their pass rush will be able to mitigate the Rams' advantage. And, yeah, they'll be in that game, but I, I can't count on that at all. As for the Giants, they beat the Jets today. Um, I have a little more faith that they can beat them. But, again, don't forget, they went into uh, New Jersey last year. It wasn't New York. They went into New Jersey last year, and they lost. They lost in overtime, but it was a miracle they even made it there. So that's mostly the same Giants team that they saw last year, and that was an L for them. So I, I would in no way count that as a win. <laughs> and then you have you know the Lions game. Short week, Thanksgiving, payback's going to be part of it. Stafford will be back most likely. Maybe. Yeah, so yeah, I, I feel like kind of a homer saying 17% confidence point, just like going through all that right now. If I had to choose between them finishing that slate, like what's more likely three and O or O and three, certainly O and three is much more on the table than three and O. But dude, this Rams game next week, Sunday night football in Los Angeles, this game is literally the season. If they win this game, yep. they're yep. five and five. And then you're home against the giants. 
not a gimme win whatsoever. The Bears do not have a gimme win against anyone this season, but that's as close as they have to a gimme win the rest of the year. Win that game, now you're six and five going into the last five games, uh, starting off at Detroit. This Rams game is monumental for the Bears, and Matt Nagy can change the entire narrative of the season by winning that game. Same thing with Trubisky, I think. Like, what if Trubisky comes out and has his best game of the year next week? Uh, I'm not saying I think it's going to happen. Like, the Bears did nothing in this Detroit game to make me feel particularly confident going into Los Angeles. But just given the records, uh, the record of the team and what's ahead of them, this game is gigantic against the Rams. And the Bears beat them last year, correct, in the regular season? So, uh, hey, let's see. You know, you make a really good point, which is that despite everything that's gone wrong this season, or maybe not this season, but the last four weeks, the the way that things have gone, uh, you know, the Bears ha- are, are in the mix right now. Like, the win today puts them in a position to reinsert themselves into the playoff picture. I hate to say that out loud because it's <laughs> going to sound... St- it's going to sound stupid in exactly one week, but I, uh, you know, I just, I don't, it's hard to believe that they're actually that close. And, it, you know, that's the NFL. There's a lot of parity there. I'm looking at the teams that are ahead of them, and there's a number of them. Right now, the Rams, the Eagles, and the Panthers, all teams that seem markedly better than this particular Chicago Bears group right now. But a win fixes a lot. You know, I know it wasn't a pretty win. I've said it 17 times already it does change the way a team feels and gives you a a shred of momentum going into the next game. So you're absolutely right. If they can somehow pull off a win in Los Angeles, it changes the entire tenor of the season. One at which right now feels like every single player uh, and all the way up, the coaching staff, all the way to the front office feels like their jobs are on the line. Yeah, absolutely. To me, this season has felt like a systematic failure on every level, from the GM to the coach. I see people on Twitter all the time talking about firing Ryan Pace and Nagy this year. I'm sure that's going on on the local radio airwaves as well. Uh, But, you know, win this Rams game by any means necessary. I don't care if you look like shit again. Get the W in Los Angeles. If you can beat the Rams... You know, the outlook for the year suddenly becomes a little bit interesting, even though we've all agreed uh, as a fan base that the year has been a disaster. A lot can change with a win in L.A. against the Rams. Uh, You know, I'll at least, if nothing else, I'll be excited for that game. Sunday night football, spotlight's going to be on the Bears, spotlight's going to be on Trubisky. Like, let's do it. Let's at least see. You know, if Trubisky totally falls apart, then I think, you know, there's no, there probably isn't any debate anyway, like regardless, but... Uh, night game Trubisky scares me. Night game Trubisky is very scary, (laughs) just like it was with Cutler, right? But, you know, all you can ask for, I feel like, is the opportunity. And they at least have the opportunity. No, I I can disagree with none of that. You know what I really enjoy at this point is that we've got like 19 different Trubiskys. (laughs) You know how there was like good Rex, bad Rex, and it was binary and that was it? We've got two-minute Trubisky. (laughs) We've got often injury Trubisky. We've got night game Trubisky. This is great, man. I actually, you know, which one are we going to get? It's like a deck of cards. Just turn one over and see what you get. Yeah, and like... I would say 17 of them are bad of the 19. Oh, definitely. (laughs) It's like playing Uno. It's like 17 draw fours and like a two and a one. (laughs) Not a lot of good outs in this uh, game of Russian roulette, but, you know, 
Who knows? I, I at least think they have the opportunity. I'll be invested going into next week. I'm going to talk myself. In, I'm doing it right now. I'm talking myself into getting excited about this stupid game that's most likely going to break my heart. But that is the Chicago motto, man. Chicago loves the Bears. The Bears are Chicago's favorite team. Uh, this is fun, man. The city like, never has more investment. And, you know, this is this is why we care for games like the one coming next week. I just want to highlight your analogy, which is the best one I've heard in, in like 17 years, 17 being the lucky number of today's podcast. Uh, Mitch Trubisky is Russian roulette with five in the chamber. There you go. <laughs> it took us a while to get there, but we finally got it. All right, let's take a quick break for some advertising. Let's come back and let's talk about Khalil Mack and the defense. All right. Sounds good. Support for Blue Wire comes from Manscaped who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That rhymes. That's good stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm supposed to talk about a time when I hurt my balls while cutting my ball hair. Um, I really don't want to tell you that story. It's really not a fun story. It's a bad recollection, but since they're paying for this, might as well give it up. Um, yeah, uh, thought I was going to have a Harry Potter scar on my ball bag uh, because of a... Um, not so great clipper that was not so great at making sure everything really important to me stayed the way it was. I really enjoyed reliving that for your, uh, for your edification. Uh, but you know, that wouldn't have happened to me if, uh, Manscaped had been in my life. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology. So this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. God, I wish I'd had that that day. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant moisturizer. I'm serious. They got it. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? I don't know if it's the smelliest part of my body. I haven't done like a smell test. I appreciate that. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. And get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BLUEWIRE. All right, so the thing that, you know, I'd like to talk about because I think as we discuss what's going on going forward with the Rams, what's going to happen in the games to come, I think we need to talk about Khalil Mack and the Bears' pass rush as a kind of a secondary element. I I didn't see him at all in this game, at least in a positive light. And this is the same Lions team that he had the triple team, you know, st- arm stab, roll off other guy, dive, tackle Matt- Matthew Stafford last year. So... It's not a question of how he's being defended. They had triple teams on him last year, and he blew them all up. What is going on with Khalil Mack? I, I keep feeling like I want to say he's injured, but that's really just me searching for answers because he looks fine on the field. I never see him limp off. He seems to be in just about every play. He's never been on the injury report. There's literally no reason to think he might be injured, save for the fact that I don't want to admit that he's been ineffective. Ricky, are you seeing what I'm seeing? I am. I mean, it's just obvious. Like, Max seemed like the best defensive player in football until they went to London, played his former team, the Raiders. I don't know what the hell's happened after that, but this has not looked like the same football player. 
Uh, I sure hope he gets it back in gear because it's so much fun to watch Cleo Mack when he's playing its best. Even though he's a pass rusher and a defensive end, like that's as thrilling as anything else in the sport. And it's definitely as, you know, beneficial for the Bears as anything else aside from probably a star quarterback, just in terms of generating that consistent pass rush. Uh, I don't want to do, you know, the, the hard left turn and go back to pessimism, but uh, looking at the Bears' cap sheet going forward, Mac this year, because he restructured his deal right before the start of the season, his cap hit is only 11-9 this year. Now, every other year for the next four years, 2020, 21, 22, 23, he's making $25 million or more. Next season, he's making $26 million. Uh, and that, to put it in perspective, is $9 million more than the next highest paid player on the team, which is Kyle Fuller, in terms of next season's cap hit. Uh, you know, if someone is more attuned to the NFL salary cap than I am, by all means, correct me, but that's just the numbers I'm looking at on the Bears cap sheet moving forward. So his cap number is going to go way, way, way up. When he's playing his best, I think he absolutely warrants that contract, but uh, he's, he's got to be performing at his best, not just this year, but going forward. No question. I, I, I you know, I've seen a, a lot of really annoying articles this this week about, Oh, the Raiders tra- won the trade actually, and it just—it's like not even revisionist history. It's just one weakest history. It's like clickbait history. I understand that you know there's a lot going on that's really good for the for the Oakland Raiders right now, and Josh Jacobs looks like the truth. They're five and four. They're a better team than the Bears at this point. But Khalil Mack is a generational talent, uh, a Hall of Fame level player. That as long as his career continues to play out in the way that it has previously and he ages in an appropriate fashion that he should be wearing a gold jacket one day and I think that's what makes the performance so inexplicable uh it, it certainly is worth mentioning that not having Akeem Hicks to push the pocket and to command a double team of his own uh having certain younger players not necessarily be what they've been at other points in their Bears career and I could say Bilal Nichols Roy Robertson Harris Le- Leonard Floyd really hasn't been impactful in any sort of way I think it wouldn't surprise me if the Bears re-sign him in this offseason just because of the capital they've invested in him to this point, but it certainly doesn't seem like he's going to be the dynamic performer they needed him to be. So it has to be Khalil Mack, and that sucks, but it's true, and right now it's not. And Jeff Driscoll, 45 dropbacks today. 45? 46? A lot, and two sacks. Two sacks, and um, look, he he really looked like he had all day to throw. It just happens to be that he's really bad at throwing. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Driscoll was terrible today. Like, the Bears barely beat a team with a awful quarterback, probably not one of the 45 best quarterbacks in the NFL, even if you were ranking all the backups, and they only put up 230 yards against a trash defense. So this was not a feel-good win by any means, but sometimes in the NFL, dude, you just got to get the dub when you can. It sets them up for next week, and uh, I, I'm at least going to be invested for one more week, and it can all go to hell real quick this season if uh, they mm-hmm. come out flat against Los Angeles. But you know, it hasn't been a good season thus far. That's a that's a huge understatement, and they at least still have a chance to you know sucker us in by performing well next week. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. No, I am like you know cautiously optimistic for next week, but I'll definitely be watching in ways that I hadn't been prior to today. Even today. Early on, I, there was a, a lot of numbness in the air, uh, a lot of 
deep sighs and maybe I'll go get some cold pizza out of the fridge at this time out because who cares. Um, and, you know, now I'm like really invested in what happens on Sunday night. Last thing I want to discuss before we cut this off is if you were to have, you know, let's say 10 parts of target pie. And what I mean by that is if you're taking the Bears skill position group and that includes running backs and I gave you 10 pieces can you just like parcel that out for me just for what you think would make sense given the Bears talent and and how they performed to this point in the season? Are we only counting like passing plays in this? No, I running backs as well. So okay. it's just like let's say there's 10 plays, yeah. you know, dole them out. Okay. And th- don't call the play, but just like who touches the ball. Sure, I'd probably like to see three plays to Montgomery, one play to Cohen, uh Four plays to Robinson, one play to Gabriel, and one play to Miller. Maybe I need to give Gabriel more. One one less to Robinson, maybe. I don't know. Perfect answer. Trey Burton didn't make your list. So the way it played out today, Allen Robinson got of, – of 16 – this is just receptions. This is just passing, kind of putting aside the, the, the run touches for a second – Robinson, uh, nine targets, six catches. Gabriel, four catches, six targets. Cohen, four receptions on four targets. One for one for Broniker, one for two for Miller, zero for one for Burton. And so, you know, I, I know that Burton was injured coming into this year and they thought they'd nurse him through. Um, he's that position, not necessarily Burton, but that position was so critical to the function of Nagy's offense last year that you I wonder if that's part of the of what's hamstrung them the other part of this that bugs me is that you know there's there's no Adam Shaheen uh, on this list because he wasn't playing and Anthony Miller had one catch for seven yards and that's two second round picks that had a ton of promise and a ton of expectation not just from the Bears but really around the NFL those a lot of people really really love those prospects and if that's going to be what it comes to what it, what it turns out to be then the bears have a little bit of a depth issue going forward they're going to have to spend free agent money that they don't have to replace players that weren't performing for their draft slot yeah no doubt i mean if you want to spin it forward all the way to next year i feel like tight end is the obvious upgrade like we're going to be looking at marcus mariota quarterback most likely and you know Dude. some upgrade at tight end and that's what we're going to have to talk ourselves into heading into next year We'll be talking about Akeem Hicks coming back. We'll be talking about hopefully Mac bouncing back. But uh, obviously tight end is a clear position where they're going to upgrade over the offseason. I think they have to. Uh, there's really no no two ways about it. They can't go back into next year with a position group of like three quarters of a player. Ben Broniker is by far the best tight end on the, on the roster right now, and he hasn't been on the roster until this week. So I think that says enough. All by itself. Um, okay, so next week we've got the Rams. You feel like making a prediction now, or is it too early to say? No, I'm just going to be watching it while hugging a pillow and nursing a <laughs> beverage to try to take down my anxiety. That's about it. No predictions here. Just tepid. That's how I'm going to be feeling. Russian roulette with five in the chamber. Ricky, I appreciate you coming on. also want to thank our sponsors today for the Chicago Shuffle podcast, Untuck It and Manscaped. We'll be back here on... We're going to record on Wednesday, but I think it'll be up on Thursday. A preview of the Rams game, what we're looking forward to on Sunday night, night game Mitch, what it means. And, um, yeah, uh, good times as always. Ricky, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, Zach. All right, we'll see you guys later this week. This is Chicago Shuffle. I'm Zach, and we are out.